morning, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Troy Farkas Show, a podcast that is not about me, it's about all of us. The 20s are a crucial time in our lives, and on this show, we navigate the highs and lows of early adulthood together. Thank you for joining me. I'm talking to you today from Aliso Viejo, California, which is very close by Laguna Beach. I just spent the day in San Diego, and boys and girls, friends, family, strangers listening to this thing, I just had myself a day, but I will tell you about that another time because today we've got a very special episode planned for you all. Also, happy late Memorial Day. I forgot to wish that to you all earlier on Monday. Thank you to everyone who has served our country means the world to me so that um, you know it allows me to do the things that I love to do without fear. So thank you for that. And thank you to Lyle Thompson for joining me on today's episode of the podcast. I got the chance to speak with him last week, last Friday. So I'm very thankful for his time. For those of you who don't know Lyle Thompson, he is one of the absolute best lacrosse players in the world. And he has a very fascinating story in that he's 28 years old, but it feels like he's 42 with the level of wisdom, maturity he has. He has five children. We're going to talk about that. He had his first kid when he was 18, a freshman in college, and he had another one in college. So he grew up faster than the vast, vast majority of us did. And as a child growing up as a member of the Onondaga clan in upstate New York, just outside of Syracuse, he's always had a level of responsibility on his shoulders that none of us have, have ever had. He was number one high school recruit. He was the best player in college, a two-time Tawaratan award winner, which for those of you who don't know is like the lacrosse version of college football's Heisman Trophy. So the best player in the country, he was the number one pick in the 2015 NLL and MLL drafts which means uh, he's a big deal. He's always had pressure on him, and he's now entering a new league, or a league that's a couple years old, but it's his first time entering the league, the PLL Premier Lacrosse League. He's playing for the Cannons. Their season is pretty much just right underway as I'm speaking to you right now. So he has another challenge to overcome among all these other challenges that he has had to overcome. And as a member of a clan, he has had to overcome a lot. He's had to overcome discrimination. I actually got the chance to speak with him when I was at ESPN about some of these things that he dealt with. And we go way back to the Albany days. We were there at the same time. I was covering the Albany lacrosse team, the time of my life for the Albany student press, for Albany student television, and watching Lyle Thompson up close and personal do his thing one of the absolute best in the world at what he does. He was like a magician out there. I wasn't even a lacrosse fan at the uh, before that, but when I was there, I was the biggest lacrosse fan in the world. It was absolutely incredible watching him do what he does because the way that he views the game, though, the way that he feels about his job is different than any of us feel about our jobs. His job is a lifestyle. His job has a spiritual meaning to it. His lacrosse stick has a meaning to it that none of us view any other objects with. Lacrosse is an extension of himself, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. We're going to cover a lot about his kids, about his college experience, about his new endeavors in the PLL, about what lacrosse means to Native Americans, and he's going to call for more education about Native Americans and their way of life. So we're going to get into all of that. So Uh, I do hope you enjoy the conversation. Here is me and Lyle Thompson. So I've had the honor during my career, the last few years working in sports media, of seeing some of the absolute best athletes in the world up close and personal. I've seen LeBron James. I've seen Conor McGregor. I've seen Rihanna Stewart. And no one has wowed me, made me ooh and ah more than today's guest on the pod, Lyle Thompson. Lyle, so pumped that you are joining me. I know it's late on a Friday night. Thank you for taking some time out to join us. Um, You are the most dominant athlete I've ever seen going back to our UAlbany days. So I want to talk to you about all of that. But before we get there, how are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm here in Foxborough. Um, We start training camp tomorrow, so we'll be here for for over a week, um, first games next next Friday um, at Gillette, and then we play again on Sunday. So I'm excited to to be playing again against an opponent instead of just in my backyard. <laughs> um, so a lot of good things happening. So I'm 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 excited to be here. 
Yeah, it's your first season in the PLL. You've been in the NLL, the MLL. There's all these different lacrosse leagues. How are you feeling going into uh, your first your first year with the Cannons? I'm I'm feeling good. Um, obviously, throughout this pandemic, it's hit everybody in a different way, and and um, for me, it sort of um, made health and and taking care of my body a priority. Um, you know, that, that includes my full family, my, my wife and my kids. So it's been, it's been, you know, challenging at times, but overall, I think it's been really helpful. And, um, I, I think I've grown a lot from this experience. So, um, yeah, I, I feel good going into, going into this first season. My body feels good. Uh, throughout training camp, I just want to sort of get the, get, get the rust off. Um, that's, that's my goal going into week one is to make sure um, obviously I'm playing in my backyard a lot, but I want to be able to, to make sure I'm, I'm not uncomfortable out there. Now that we're playing with an actual team, um, which I haven't done in over a year. So it's, uh, it's, it's something that is a little bit strange, but um, I'm up for the challenge and, and I'm feeling good about it. That's something on the show that we talk about a lot. People who are, are young, we're still growing a lot. We're still figuring it out every day and you have been doing that younger than than most of us have you've been forced to take a lot on your shoulders i'm curious you mentioned that you've grown a lot during the pandemic how so um i mean i think i think any experience like this and and especially when you have an energy that's sort of universal um this this sickness that has come it's it's universal um in the fact that you know to the human beings here we've a lot of people have been affected by this and um, in a negative way, but in the same sense, um, I I look at every, uh, every challenge, every situation as uh, every conflict as something that's, I mean, I'm an optimist. So I like to always look at it and say like, this is happening for me. What can I learn from it? Instead of taking it personal and saying, um, why is this happening to me? And, and really holding on to it and making it something negative. So over the past year or so, um, it's allowed me to take time for myself and prioritize myself and not so much prioritize work or lacrosse or, or anything. You know what I mean? So for me, this whole pandemic has allowed me to sort of take a step back, focus on myself. I've done a whole lot of meditating. I've done a whole lot of training. I've changed up my training regiments and I've had a lot of fun with it Um, from lacrosse to kettlebells, to yoga, to meditating, to spending time with my kids internally. I feel like I've had a lot of growth over the past year. And then externally, I I just feel like um, I'm in a place where I can help the people around me now. And what I mean by that is just my family. Um, I feel like I've, I'm figuring out this, you know, there are moments it goes up and down as a parent, but um, right now I currently feel like I, I'm, I'm in a good place as a father um, in helping my kids become, become who they need to need to become so that they can express themselves. But yeah, um, sort of in, in short, I just feel like um, I've learned a lot over the past year that I can continue to build off of. I'm right there alongside you um, in the fact that this pandemic spared no one. It affected every single person in the world. There was no room for why me, why, you know, my lacrosse season just ended prematurely. What am I going to do when that was happening to everyone everywhere around the world in all industries and all walks of life? So it seems like that you really took the right mindset to it. I'm curious when, when everything first shut down way back when March, April, 2020, what did you do? Your season ends and you're like, I still need to be ready. I need to stay in shape. And all of this was happening around. How, how did you make sure that physically you were right and that mentally you were right? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I was living in Atlanta at the time playing for the Swarm. So once the pandemic hit, um, I think a lot of people were sort of in panic mode. Um, you know what I mean? Like you, you've seen it in in the Target, in the Walmart, in the grocery stores, people running for toilet paper, <laughs> um, the craziest things. And for us, we just headed home. 
to Six Nations. And honestly, I don't, I, we didn't panic. Like as a family, we didn't really panic. We just got our, you know, filled our, our fridge, filled our cupboards. And, and um, honestly, like I said, staying optimistic about it, like, okay, here's some time off in a way. Like here's a little vacation at home. We we cleaned up the house. We we um, spent more time with our kids. Uh, gave them high quality time is what I like to call it. Um, and took a breath. Took took some time for ourselves and um, did a whole lot throughout throughout last year. We we did a garden. We um, learned some new tricks. And in in the midst of it all, I kept my stick in my hands because that's that's my passion and it's just something I like to do. I don't, I don't necessarily always need someone there, someone to be there with me. I actually more times than more times than not, I actually like to play lacrosse by myself. Um, I enjoy that and it allows me to keep my stick in my hands. And um, I just think overall throughout that it's uh there's been times of struggle, but overall, um, I've stuck to a pretty similar routine as whether I was, we were in quarantine or in the middle of a pandemic or not. You know, I prioritize health. I prioritize wellness, physical activity and my family and pandemic or not. I was still prioritizing those things and had a, had a good time doing it. So, um, I didn't put on no quarantine 15 or anything like that um i didn't lose any weight i i didn't become unhealthy i pretty much stayed the same and stayed ready for a season season so as a professional athlete i had to stay ready whether it was for the m the mll last the bubble last year um you know we didn't know if we were going to end up finishing our nll season and then the next season, you know what I mean? So I always, I always had like a month or two to have to stay ready. Um, and that's what keep me sort kept me sort of uh, motivated, I guess you could say. One of the ways that you stay ready is with these awesome kettlebell workouts. I'm watching your videos, a kettlebell flow, you call it. Now I'm a, I'm a workout junkie. I do all things of all kinds, but I've never actually really seen someone make a kettlebell an entire workout for, 30, 45 minutes doing lunges with it, squats with it, overhead, all sorts of leans and stretches. It's really cool. You've gotten really creative with it. How did you discover that? Yeah, honestly, um, once the pandemic hit and we hit, we went, we went home, gyms were closed. Um, you can step foot in a gym and on our way home, we grabbed some kettlebells at target. Um, I grabbed like a 40 pounder and a 30 pounder and my wife grabbed a 20 pounder and, and like a 15 pounder. And, and, um, that's what we had at our house. We didn't have, I don't have no barbell. I don't and have anything else for weights. And I just found stuff on like Instagram. I, I found some good followers on it. I already followed like on it. Um, they do a lot of good supplements and, and things, a lot of good things for your brain and health. Um, and they do a lot of, they make kettlebells and steel maces, stuff like that. So um, I got into just checking out their page. They got a lot of good trainers and I would just replicate what I was seeing. And then eventually I was like, okay, I, I know how to do a Turkish get up. I know how to do a, a swing clean or a swing press or, you know, all these different movements you can do with a kettlebell. Um, and then I start challenging myself. And then I thought like, okay, this isn't much weight, but I feel like I'm in really good shape. I, I started to see, I was starting to define some of my muscles. And, um, I just felt like overall I was maintaining strength and I, I wasn't able to sort sort of determine that until I stepped back into a gym and got back to my old routine, but I was maintaining strength. I was increasing my mobility. Um, I was increasing my, my stability and then my endurance was, was still really good because all of the stuff I was doing was sort of high heart rate, high tempo. Um, and I was doing it for like an hour every single day, probably longer and just having fun with it. And, uh, I always talk about like the flow state and a flow state is basically when you're 
when you're in a moment where um, the situation you're in isn't so challenging that it's stressful, but it's not so easy that it's boring. Um, it's sort of right in between there and you go up and down and, and you have your moments, but throughout that hour, hour and a half of working out, um, time just passed by. And I was doing that every day, sometimes twice a day and, and learning new moves and sort of to compare it to lacrosse, I was allowed to stay creative um, and try my own things where I wasn't copying somebody else and invent my own things. Same thing I was doing with a stick when I was a kid, like, okay, nobody's ever done this. Let me try this. Um, and just challenging myself and, and staying creative. And I think that's what makes things fun. And when you make things fun, that's what brings happiness and <laughs> it keeps you coming back. So um, that's sort of how I got into kettlebells. And, and I still sort of, I still travel with my kettlebell and keep it, keep it with me just in case, um, you know, I can't get into a gym or anything like that. It's awesome. I absolutely love watching those videos. We'll put some links to it in the show notes of this episode. Uh, a lot of younger athletes think that they can get away with a lot of things. They think they can get away with not stretching, with not sleeping the right amount, with just eating whatever they want. I feel like you know everything that you need to do in order to prolong your career and get the most out of yourself while you can right now. Have you always been that way? Was there a, a switch that flipped? How did you realize that this is what I need to do to be the absolute best I can be? Um, you know, over sort of, I guess you could call the past, you know, four or five years, what I've done is just make myself my own experiment. Um, I mean, like, even in diet, like, I don't, I don't think I don't diet. I just test out different lifestyles and I just want to be healthy. Like by the time I'm 50, 60 years old, I want to have healthy habits and I want to create sustainable, healthy habits that, um, that'll keep me healthy when, when long-term, you know what I mean? I like to, I like to think, think about those things long-term, same thing with my playing career. So I've tested out a whole lot of things. My point being is that like, I've tested out a whole lot of different practices, I guess you could say. And I've just found what works for me. And I mean, like in terms of diet, I started tracking my food. Um, I, I use an app called my net diary and I've been doing it for three years now. And um, it sort of keeps me on track. It, it allows me to see that like, okay, once a month, I go double, I, I surpass my, my calorie intake or on birthdays, I eat this amount of calories as routine. You know what I mean? Like to be able to see that, okay, a birthday is coming up. Um, my daughter's birthday is coming up. I'm going to eat like 4,000 calories. So I better have a good workout. It's, it's allowed me to get to know myself a little better. And that's just an example. So like for me, I, um, I really just try to do that with a lot of things. Like, you know, I'll see that stepping outside and grabbing my stick and playing outside, um, training outside. Sometimes I'm in a flow throughout the week. I'll go a month and then I'll take a month off. Um, being able to, I'm huge on tracking my own, my own, my own stuff. So at the end of the day, I would just say I've created a study for myself and I know that it's for me and it's not like, Hey, you have to do this. If you want to be this, um, there is, there is no one shoe fits all. Everybody's, I think that's the best thing anybody can do is start to understand yourself so good that you know how to be optimal and you know what hurts you, you know, what helps and hurts you. So sounds complicated. Um, doesn't really, but it, I think it's pretty simple as long as you're understanding yourself and paying attention to, to your own body and your own likes and dislikes. Yeah. You've mentioned flow state a couple of times. When I watch you play lacrosse, you are one of those athletes that makes it just look easy. Um, I'm curious when the stick is in your hand, the ball is in your stick, what is going through your mind as you are playing? Um, that's the thing with the flow state. I personally, like my, 
I wouldn't call it a philosophy, but like, I just think when you're in a flow state, you're not necessarily thinking with your mind, because if you're thinking with your mind, you would be thinking about a future moment. You'd be thinking about what's next. Um, or you'd be thinking about something in the past. So I think flow state is when you're present, you're so entrenched into a moment that you hear it a lot. And it's like, you know, in basketball, they call it the zone. You know what I mean? Like when, when Kobe gets into a zone, when LeBron gets into a zone, they're just, you can't stop them. And, and then they get an interview after and, and it's like, how did you do that? Or do you remember what happened on this play? And a lot of times they're just like, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I was just, I was just feeling the game. That's, that's just presence that you're just, you're just feeling the moment of where you were. So there's moments of those in sports and it doesn't happen. You can't just make it happen. I think there are hacks for each individual. And the thing I always like to do is pay attention to myself, my breathing, my, how I'm feeling on the field. And, um, I don't know when I'm in, when I'm in those moments a lot of the times because when when you're in those moments um, you're honestly just having fun and you're enjoying the place and time you are right there. Um, you're not holding on to it. You're not trying to savor it. You're too far entrenched. So I think for me, um, I don't always know when I'm when I'm into that zone, but I know competition being a competitive athlete and being a competitor for some reason it uh it encourages that so for me um making anything a competent even if it's in the backyard it's in practice if coaches like okay defense versus offense first one to five for some reason i go into this mode this mode where it's like okay this is more for some reason i'm i'm into this more because there's there's competition to it and um I think it goes back to to the original teachings of the game. It's about it's about respect. It's about having fun. And it's about playing with a clear mind. And to play with a clear mind means to be an optimist. To not let things get to your skin, get under your skin. To have fun means to be happy, and to respect means to be thankful. So I think um, to be thankful and to be mindful. So I try to do that when I'm on the field and when I'm on the floor. Um, in those things the rest comes just comes when it comes it just happens uh the listeners of this podcast aren't big sports fans so they're probably not too familiar with with you and your story i love listening to you and your people talk about lacrosse and your relationship with the game can you just kind of explain what it is that lacrosse means and what and why it's so important yeah so lacrosse is a what we would call a traditional medicine game um, and it's played for what we call the creator. Um, call it, call it God, call it the creator, call it what you want, but there's a higher purpose to the game and it's not about yourself. And that's, we call, I call it a game for a reason. It's, it's not a sport. It's not meant to be played for self-enhancement. It's not, it's not meant to be played for winning and losing. Um, you know, I, so I think. I think um, I call it a game because it's meant to be played with joyful intentions. And for us as native people, it came from native Americans and um, it's been used in a lot of different ways from, from a two stick game to a one stick game. And, and the Haudenosaunee way, the, the people I come from, um, we've played lacrosse closest to the modernized game today. And it was once played for, to settle war disputes, it's played for um, for healing for someone who might be sick, or for healing a community, or for healing an individual. So it's it's used for a lot of different ways, and um, I'm taught that I was taught that at a young age. So I, I was I was able to play in traditional medicine games and um, learn the lessons to them. And so for us, it's it's we say it's more than a game. It's a, it's a way of life. And the reason I say, I think it's to understand that it's a way of life. It's like, have you ever done th something and it's not about yourself or it's not about played a, played a game and it's not about yourself. It's actually about 
um, what's the best way to say it? Um, I mean, we always just say it's, we play the game for the creator and it's beyond winning or losing. It's beyond scoring a goal. It's beyond points. It's beyond any of those because, um, it's done so much healing for us. Um, I still try to treat the game with those same teachings. It, what I've learned from my stick, I grew up using a traditional wooden stick from, I was born with a stick, first of all. Um, you know, it's a tradition within our communities, Haudenosaunee communities to pass. When you have a son, you pass him a stick. You pass on a stick. It's usually just a little stick, maybe a foot long wooden stick made from a hickory tree. It's got cat gut in it from, from usually a deer hide. It's got, um, it's got leathers in it made from deer hide and you net it up in our language. We call it down cheek ways. It means they bump hips. And, um, I use one of those sticks from, I used to add one stick from, from age six to 12. And nowadays, you know what I mean? Kids, kids go through a new stick every single year. Where I find I, I'm, I'm fully thankful and grateful for being able to be forced to use that one stick for six years because I grew a connection with it. It was deeper than just a stick. I had a spiritual relationship with that stick and I personified that stick. I would sleep with that stick for years. Um, and I cared for it in a way that I believe it took care of me. Because when I stepped on the field, um, I knew that we, I say we, me and my stick, had such a deep connection that it was going to take care of me. It was going to treat me with good. It was, the ball was going to go where the ball needed to go, not just because of me, but because of it. And um, that connection grew and grew and grew and it allowed me to now treat my stick the same way. I have my stick right here that I'm using for training camp. It's pretty dirty. And, and, um, you know, right now we got, we got tested for all the medicals and all COVID before training camp. And everyone's making fun of me for bringing my mud stick. They're saying, but I've grown a connection with this stick since the pandemic hit. And I don't need a clean stick. I don't need, doesn't need to look good. Uh, it's the connection I feel with it. And that sacredness I have, I used to have with that. I, I grew with that wooden stick is now I, I still have that, that same treatment, that same, same um, relationship with something that a lot of people don't see as see in that dimension, see in a spiritual way. Um, and that's the way our people are. Our, our people, my people, we we think about, um, we think that everything has has life and has spirit, whether it's the wind, the sun, the moon, the plants, the animals, everything has different form. Things come in different form. We have our human form, and this is our earth suit, but the tree also has an earth suit, and it has a spirit too, inside of that, that living tree, that tree shape um same with the animal same with the moon same with the wind and i talk about this stuff in a spiritual way because the game of lacrosse and my culture are intertwined you get the same teachings if you were to sit in our longhouse as you would playing this game if you could sit down if you could really think for yourself and listen to the teachings of it and that's what the game has taught me. And that's what the game is for Native American people. And that's what we're trying to pass on to the rest of the world, that this isn't a sport. This isn't, this isn't about winning or losing or about this country or that country. This is a game meant to be played with joyful intention. And um, it's really our gift from the creator. We don't own the game, but it was our gift. And we want to pass this special gift onto the rest of the world the same way that yoga and the people the inventors of yoga passed on this gift to the world now everybody gets to benefit from yoga and everybody gets to 
feel the internal growth you can actually get from practicing yoga. It's not just stretching. It's not just, um, you know, being fit. It's actually a practice of internal growth. And lacrosse is the same thing. Sorry to go on such a big no, there. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I could listen to that all day. I love the way that you speak about the game because it's not about, I mean, so many people do things, play a sport, get a job, do whatever for external praise because there's accolades, whether that's in the form of money or promotions, whatever it is, the joyfulness that you have playing the game and talking about the game is truly admirable. So um, I absolutely love that. A lot of, a lot of, not, not a lot, but some natives do when they, they go off to college one day and they are exposed to all of the pressures that the outside world has, whether that's partying, girls, whatever it is, some people do fall off track and lose sight of their priorities. When you went to UAlbany, you were very straight and narrow focused. How did you manage to stay so focused and locked in when that is not always so easy for everyone? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, I, I can't credit one thing, one situation, one experience, because um, life always continues on and new things, new experiences happen that you can learn from. Um, and it's usually the hard ones that give you the real teachings. So I had my first kid when I was a freshman at, at UAlbany. And um, my first girl, she, was, she, she taught me a lot. Um, she really taught me how to prioritize my time. First of all, you know, I mean, I, I would, my freshman year, and then I had another, another girl, my sophomore year, I mean, my junior year. So, um, I had two kids throughout my college, throughout my college playing years, but, um, I, I say time, prioritize my time and organize my time, really manage my time because we had 6am lifts. We got to get up at you know, 5.30, head over to the, to the locker room and then lift for an hour, an hour and a half. Then I would have class and then we'd have practice for two, three hours. We'd have film. Then I'd have more class. So my days were full. I was on campus from 5.30 to, to 6, 7 o'clock some days. And I would get home for dinner and my wife would be tired from having the baby all day and, and I'd only have an hour with, with the baby. So I would, I would spend time with her before I send her off to bed and then I would be tired and I would go to bed. So, um, I just didn't have time for that. And I really learned how to organize my time. Um, at a young age, I was forced to organize that time at a young age. So, um, you know, my, my wife would, pack me my lunches and come to see me on campus with the time I did have. If I had an hour, hour and a half between class and practice, you know, we would make it happen. And um, because we lived off, I lived off of campus um, and, and that taught me a lot that, that freshman year. And it never, I never looked back. You know what I mean? So I didn't, in terms of the party and I would, I would go out to the to parties and hang out with the team to help build team chemistry. And I knew what I was doing. Um, and you know, it was fun at times here and there, but I never, I was never into alcohol. I never had a sip of alcohol in my life. I had never had any drugs. I've never smoked weed or, or, um, you know, I mean, any of that, I've always stayed on a pretty strict path. Um, you know, my parents were sort of strict on those things and, I just didn't see any purpose in it, any reasoning. Um, nothing even drew me to that. Um, not because I was super focused on lacrosse. It just wasn't a thing. I, I can't really explain it. Um, I think it was sort of taught to me by my parents. Um, and I respected that. So um, I think I also seen that within our communities, that has damaged our communities so much. The drugs, the alcohol, um, all of those things have, have really traumatized and, and hurt our community, native communities. So I was able to look back, take a step back and see that and make sure um, I didn't want to go down that right route. Even if you, I was to use in moderation, like I, 
there was no perp there was no reason for me it wasn't going to help me so i i still don't don't have uh you know i mean that ambition to to want to do that um but yeah i think i think um overall that's what kept me on track while i was at school um was my was having having my wife there and my kids over the last year, year and change, um, since the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, there's been this, you know, a huge reckoning and we've all kind of come to some realizations about how we treat people in, in all of our places in the world. And um, obviously the, the Native American people have been mistreated for a very long time. I, I'm really curious to know what, what the last year was like for you when there was a huge awakening for like the Black Lives Matter movement but there's still a lot of, and there's a lot more education on that side of things, but still on the Native American mistreatment, I feel like there's still a lack of understanding. Do you, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I, th I think we're, we're just not heard. And we've, we've been swept under a rug as Native American people for, for so long, and everything's been very sneaky um, in terms of the, what we're learning in our history books and, and what America doesn't wanna wanna be known for some of the things they've done to to Native Americans because it haven't hasn't been put out there and a lot of these things weren't weren't documented and they were they were hidden away um, and obviously you know even with like I, I think the Black Lives Matter movement has gave has allowed Native American voices to be heard and. And I think that's really important because when we look at what has happened with, with the Black Lives Matter movement and people really standing up and using their voice and, and speaking their truth, not being afraid that um, they're going to get judged or they're going to get looked at a certain way, it's really helped that movement. What has happened has really helped the Native American movements um, to be heard because I think oppressed people sort of help oppressed people and we've both been oppressed in different ways, but the traumas within black communities and native communities are, are, are very similar. We both, both of these communities tend to struggle with drugs and alcohol abuse, suicide rates, obesity, all of those that are in native communities are oftentimes in, in, um, you know, inner city black communities. And it's sad, but I'm just glad that, I, like I said, I'm an, I'm an optimist. So I like to look at this situation and it is a sad situation, but it's, we have to look at the positives of it and we're allowing our voices to be heard. And um, I think when you look at native history, a lot of the things you're like, that can't be real because I've never even learned about this. And it seems too, it seems, it almost seems made up because you're learn, you, you learn about Native American history. And the only thing you learn about is, is um, maybe the Trail of Tears, maybe this or that. You never learn about Wounded Knee. You never learn about some of the massacres. You never learn about residential schools. Um, and, and sorry to say you, uh, sorry. No, but I know. I know what you mean. Just like, yeah. But a lot of these these things that have created a generational trauma, Canadian American, the world is just now learning about it because, um, because they're starting to be voiced by more and more people and, and um, they're, they're important. And I look at like how people view us, how people view native Americans. Um, you know, we're on, we're on t-shirts, we're mascots. We're, we're we're the names on the back of cars, Cherokee. Um, I mean, Tacoma. Like you got all these. You, we're on roads. We're we're the names of states, and um, our jewelry is even like trending. And we're this trendy people that everybody wants to like. This is who America is. But at the end of the day, um, the the truth isn't being told, and now it's starting to and people are wanting to learn about it but i think 
not at a big enough stage. It has to start to be in our, our history books, just like slavery is, yep. just like some of the other things. Um, we have to start to learn about these things to acknowledge and, and understand that this isn't honoring. Be, having this as our mascot isn't, is no honor. Um, it's actually dehumanizing to a people that are still, that still exist. And I just, I just think like we have so much to teach, like my, our ways, I'll call it the native way has so much to teach the world. Um, because I think us as a people, we don't know who we are. We don't, we don't, we don't know where we are. We don't know what we come from. And, um, our mindset's just not at the right place. And I think um, we're the last thing from, from colonization in terms of knowing who we are. We're the people. And I mean, that's in our language. Um, a lot of native languages, the first thing you hear is the people. Ongohoe means the people of the longhouse. But we're the people. Um, and we look at the animals and they're, they're the deers. They're... We look at the winds and those are the wind beings and the star beings and um, the plant beings, the medicine beings. We have, we look at this mindset in a way where it's, it's actually um, really helpful in understanding where we are in this time and place in history so that we can learn from it and we can start to be more thankful. And, and we're instructed to, to, live in peace and harmony with one another to be thankful for one another and in everything else. So, um, the more I learn about other native cultures, the more I see that we're actually very similar and there's actually a lot that we can learn from, from not just our cultures, but like other religions. Um, so all of that's really fascinating to me. I don't want to dig too dive deep into any of that, but yeah. I think overall, um, when we look at native history, it needs to start being taught at a youth level. That's where everything starts with the next generation at the youth level, whether it's lacrosse, sports, culture, teachings, we got, it's got to start being taught in schools. And um, my hope is that, that that starts to happen and we start to learn about residential schools and some of the things that my people, our people, people had to face. I know I didn't Christopher Columbus growing up is a hero. There's, there's holidays named after him and, and other people who mistreated natives in gruesome ways. It wasn't until I was 17 in an advanced history class that I read literature about what, what really went down uh, during colonization. So I'm fully on board with you. Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing that. I've got two quick things that, uh, that I just want to run by you and then I'll let you go. So there's a lot of young people that, that listen to this podcast, people who are still trying to figure out their way, people who don't quite know what their calling is yet, what they were put on this earth to do. You have known your entire life, what it is you were put on this earth to do, but what would your advice be to someone who maybe hasn't found what they're meant to do yet? Um, my advice would go back to, to making yourself your own personal study. I, I think I've learned a lot being a parent because I'm a lacrosse player and that's my passion. And I've been able to align my passion in my purpose because my passion makes me happy and my purpose makes it so that it makes other people happy. So the fact that I get to play lacrosse, yes, it makes me happy. But for some reason, I know it's my purpose because it actually makes a lot of people a lot of other people happy. And I think that's sort of the formula. Um, that not, not strict, but like when I, as a parent, I look at my kids and like for so bad, I want them to be lacrosse players <laughs> because of what it's taught me. And as a parent, a lot of parents want to be like, Hey, be this because right. this is what I know about. But as a parent, I've become the observer. Okay, so I look at one of my kids and, oh, she's really into dancing. She's really artistic. She's really creative. And she likes to spend time doing that. That must be one of, she's got passion there. How can I help her keep that passion 
so that one day it can turn into a purpose and she can share her passion with other people and they can be encouraged and influenced. Same thing with, with my other daughter, who's very smart. She loves mathematics. She loves science. She wants to be an astronaut. She, I, I see her passions and I've observed them and not to let my ego become a part of that and be like, Oh no, that's not a good route for you. You're, 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 um, that'll be too hard for you because I know nothing about it. I don't like math. So, so I don't, I don't know much about that. And I don't think you should go down that route. I'm just observe. I'm, I'm the observer. And I say, okay, she likes this. I'm going to throw more of this in her face and see if she keeps taking it. And when she doesn't, that's fine. I have to observe when she doesn't too. So I think, um, if I'm giving advice to an individual about finding their passion and their purpose and starting to align those two, it's have an open mind, always ask questions to yourself and to others, to teachers, to parents, to friends, um, even to enemies. I, I think it's important to always ask questions and be true to yourself and, um, Keep an open mind, always be willing to learn. And if you can observe when you're having fun, hey, keep doing more of that. Um, that's sort of my formula. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I want to, there's balance. There's a lot of things that come into play. You want to have a balanced life. Like, I don't want to be a complete, um, I, I don't want to know nothing about math, even though I'm not good at it. But, um, you know, make sure I know what I am good at and feel that. My last question for you. I read on your website and one of your blog posts that you had written during the pandemic that uh, you love cereal. I got to know, what are uh, what are some of your favorite cereals? <laughs> um, so cereal is my weakness in terms <laughs> of diet. I love to snack on cereal right before bed. Um, I've gotten way more healthy in terms of cereal. And if you, if you listen to me long enough on this podcast that you should know that like, I'll test anything out and I'm very experimental with myself. So I've gone through stages. I'll say that, <laughs> but throughout my, my youth, fruity pebbles were the bomb. Um, I no longer eat fruity pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even have like a, like a craving for fruity pebbles. I don't know why, but. I guess if I were to go with like a sweet cereal right now, it would be like cinnamon life. Um, I love cinnamon life. I also just love straight up uh, like puffed rice. It's similar to like, it's healthy. It yeah. tastes like nothing, but if you like add rice sugar checks. to it. Yeah, 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 sort of. It's sort of like uh, like Rice Krispies, but actual like puffed rice. Gotcha, okay. Um, it's in the health food aisle, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I throw sugar on it and make it unhealthy <laughs> and it tastes great. Um, but yeah, those are, those are some of my, my favorite. I also like hot cereals like oatmeal and, and cream of wheat. Yep. Um, so I'll go ham on those things, throw some berries in it, um, throw some syrup in it. So yeah, those cereals, my weakness. Um, I'm not sure I'll ever get rid of, rid of it for good i i go through stages of like doing it eating having cereal with like oat milk and sometimes just water um i know people think i'm a complete psycho when i say little, that but a little weird yeah sometimes some cereals are like no no water but like cinnamon life is actually really good with water trust me <laughs> noted okay i'll, I'll try it out <laughs> it's not like I don't know. Sometimes I prefer it. I'm not like I'm hating on milk or anything. I just, sometimes I'll just do water. Okay. I, uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, Lyle, thank you so much for joining me. You're 28, but I feel like I won't reach your level of wisdom and self-awareness until like 50. So uh, very impressed yeah. by you and your outlook on the world. I wish you all the best as you head into your first season in the PLL with the Cannons here. Enjoy your time in Foxborough. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, fun conversation. I, I like I like to 
you know, sit down and discuss these types of things all the time. So I enjoyed your questions and hope you have a good one. How impressive is Lyle Thompson? He is wise beyond his years. He has had to endure so much more than any of us have ever had in our lifetimes. The discrimination that he has felt that he has been a victim of, um, he is now trying to educate people and trying to be optimistic and trying to turn hatred into love and to educate people about the plight of Native Americans, about all of these things that me and you didn't learn about growing up in elementary school, in middle school, in high school. There is so many thousands of years of atrocities committed against Native Americans that the wild majority of us do not know about. So I do hope we get to a point where uh, we are teaching our kids what happened because it is just as important to learn about what happened to the Native Americans as it is to any other group. So um, I agree with you there, Lyle. And uh, there's so much more that so much more that I want to say about this. And so uh, you can head over to thetroyfarkashow.com tomorrow morning. First thing in the morning, there will be a blog post up about a key takeaway from the conversation. Uh, the full video of that conversation is available on YouTube. So you can go check out the Troy Farkas YouTube channel. Information to follow Lyle at Lyle for Thompson. Twitter, Instagram, Thompson Brothers Lacrosse. You can find all of that info in the show notes of our episode as well. You can also follow our social accounts. Um, if you leave a review of today's show if you really liked it doing a little special thing over the next seven days so seven days from this podcast thursday june 3rd if you leave a review over on apple podcasts a winner will be randomly chosen again at random fully at random i promise to get a free the troy farkas show mug you've seen me don it on uh, the video before so if you leave a review by heading over to apple Podcasts within the next seven days and it's free to do. You can be entered into a little raffle for a free Troy Farkas show mug. Apologies if you're hearing some things in the background. In Elisa Vieja right now, there's a dog, there's people, things I can't control. Control what you can control. Uh, again, Lyle, thank you for joining me. Thank you for your honesty. Um, really just blown away by you and the way that you view the world and how um, you see everything whether things have life in them or not, you see everything as alive. You see opportunity in everything and everyone. And I absolutely love that. And I love your kettlebell workouts. If you haven't seen his videos before, go check out his Instagram, really creative stuff that maybe you guys can add into your workouts. I hope that you have taken away um, something from Lyle today and that you can apply it to your own lives and that you all have a wonderful weekend that you get outside, that you, be safe that you go doing things you love. Get out into the mountains. Get on the water. Go kayaking. Go skateboarding. Maybe take your lacrosse stick and shoot around in the backyard. Whatever it is that makes you happy. Or just relax because relaxing, recuperating, that's important too. That's enough for me. Have a great weekend, y'all. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Monday.